This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I am your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me is Ricky Weber. UVA. 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 And alongside him is Dave Oster. Hey, guys. And we are the UVA fan club. <laughs> last, <laughs> last night we saw the Sweet Wahoo 16. Nation. Last night we saw the Sweet 16 matchup between Virginia and Iowa State live at the United Center. And we also saw Gonzaga versus Syracuse. One was a great game and one was a shit show, basically. UVA. 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 Yeah, that's all I got to say about the first game. And uh, today we're going to probably talk about those guys that we saw. And we're going to talk draft, over, well, overrated draft prospects. Yeah, let's hope we're not talking about plus. Dave's boy, uh, Sabonis. Sabonis. Sabon oh me. God. Guy getting murdered in the paint last night. Can't get a call. And still put up 20 and 16. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, Dave, Dave doesn't think Sabonis is going to be overrated prospect or no, a bust. No, Sabonis will live up. He will live up to the prospect. And we're, we're both talking people who would go into the lottery, so the top 15 picks. We're not going to be talking you know, outside of that. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking guys who are supposed to be good, who are supposed to make an impact either right away or or when they develop later on to their careers. We're also going to be talking the LeBron James controversy, if we can really call it that. I mean, His whole careers are kind of controversy at this point. <laughs> the man lives for drama. He does. And then we're going to wrap that up with talking about Potential dark horses in the Western Conference because, you know, we we only talk about the Warriors and Clippers, but can anyone truly upset them? And we'll talk about that later on. But we're going to jump into overrated draft prospects. You can call busts. We're not going to say they're busts right away because it takes, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. time to develop. But, you know, who do you think is overrated going into this draft? Personally, myself, looking at his stats, looking at what he's done, you know, previous in this you know year prior and then into this year, I'm thinking Chris Dunn. His last game in his college career against North Carolina was phenomenal. He had 29 points, went 6-for-8 from three-point land. But looking at his stats from this season just in general, I just think he's taking a dip and he's taking a fall. He needs to improve his jump shot, and he really didn't do that. I mean, he, he improved his three-point percentage, but looking at his field goal percentage, it's dropped about 3%. And he's supposed to be this point guard, and he's, his assist numbers dropped. And I just I don't see him really developing because I don't know if player, if teams are going to put him at the one, if players are going to put or teams are going to put him at the two. It's really hard to see where Chris Dunn can really pan out and what he's, his you know job can really be as an NBA prospect. And it's it's hard for me to say like this kid's going to be good or this kid's going to be great in the NBA. I'm just not entirely sure if he will do that. Well, and the one thing I think of if you're looking at Chris Dunn to be because he's to me completely different than what you would see with. A Tyler Eulis. Like a traditional we talked point. About, we talked about Tyler Eulis last week, and someone in the comment section, I believe, compared him a little bit to CP3 with the skill set. Chris Dunn is not, no, he's going to be nowhere near that CP3 point guard where he's going to rack up all the assists. He's more of a scorer to me, and I feel like in the NBA, if he's stuck right at a traditional one, you may see a little bit of struggle. But to me, I see everything that they put on the draft profile. And I see Victor Oladipo, similar height, 6'4". Oladipo was, what, 7 pounds um, lighter than yeah, Chris Yeah, it's like Dunn. two burritos, come on. And he had a wingspan, <laughs> yeah, two burritos, and he had one inch on the wingspan for Oladipo compared to Chris Dunn. So I look so at the draft profile. physically similar. Yeah, physically similar, and I mean, they were both turnover prone on the, on the profiles coming up. They're athletic, need to improve their jump shot. Chris Dunn is... Victor Oladipo, except he's not going to be taken second overall. He's going to be taken maybe like 
seventh, eighth. Oladipo was taken in a very weak draft. Yeah. Anthony Bennett was the number one pick. True. So, I mean, he, True. He, was, he, was picking, he was picked in a weak draft. This one mm-hmm. isn't that weak. And it, it's hard to say, like, you know, looking at all the other prospects, that I would pick this guy in the top ten, even if I need a point guard. Because, I mean, you have Jamal Murray, who can who's most likely end up as a, a shooting guard. I don't think he's a true point guard. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even the emergence of Tyler Eulis, I would pick Eulis over Chris Dunn. I just, I know Eulis is small, but I just feel like Eulis has that tenacity and that drive that he wants to be the best. And I feel like Chris Dunn, looking at him on the court, I mean, he, he seems like he's into the game. It just seems like... I don't. He doesn't seem like he wants to be that star. He doesn't seem like he wants to be that guy for Providence because Providence was supposed to be a great team this year, and he really just they really fell off the floor going in as an eight seed, so I, or nine seed, and I just don't see Chris Dunn really developing into well, a star or a star, so. and he's already twenty two. See, you but know. I I don't think you can the whole thing with oh, but he's twenty two, but he's this. I think with this draft class, you're going to throw all of that out the window because most of the people that we've seen in college this year, what have we been talking about? Seniors, juniors, up. Well, this that, has been that's the, what they're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, so this has been the upper means, class year. This isn't the one and done year that we're like, oh, he's eighteen, he's and nineteen, yet, he's and yet this, the top two that. picks in the draft are Ben Simmons and Ingram. Yeah. And who's number three? You know, and Chad Ford, Dragon Bender. He's seventeen. So you know, yeah. and people are saying, is Buddy Heald? So they don't even... dominate the game as much yeah. mm-hmm. as you know these more veteran guys because they've had time to develop. That's that's what you're seeing. Is well, the it's play, where where the do you want the development the to happen? Game. Do you want it in college or do you want it in the pros? Like Ben Simmons, we're talking right now about one of your biggest things with him was oh his jump shot. Well, if he stayed the senior year, maybe we would have seen a senior year where he shot at a higher percentage. So really, it's where do you want the development to happen in the pros or in college? Buddy Heald's an example of that. My one of my overrated prospects though is so, going on. on the same thing as you with Jalen Brown. Okay, uh, Jalen Brown, okay, different. But did, Ben Simmons is different. Ben Simmons is a freak. Ben Simmons is like the first no, coming of, of LeBron James. I don't saying, think Ben Simmons should be staying for a senior year. No, I'm not year. saying he's he a freshman. Should, like, you know he saying. should have been staying. I'm just saying, where do you want say, that development staying, to happen? I would rather I, I see. You, That's it's, the it's a different. It's a different thing, though. I would rather have Ben Simmons go to the pros because Ben no, Simmons can play with the I'm pros saying, right like, now for a buddy heel. It was his development needed to happen in college. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you talked That's, about the numbers yeah. a little bit off air about how much. His shot percentage, his jump, mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely spiked. He Arguably started off like a 23% percent shooter the, his freshman year. Could be the most effective shooter since Steph Curry right. in college. Right. I mean, I hate throwing that name in there just because it's <laughs> fucking cancer right now. But the whole point being— <laughs> We're not talking about NBA Steph Curry. We're talking Davidson Steph Fair Curry. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I'll, I'll give you that. Some players do need time to develop mm-hmm. more in college, and some are more pro-ready. When you have the body like Ben Simmons, when you have the talent that he has outright, the game will come with time, but playing against NBA talent will help shape him into a better player than dominating a college game. Ben Simmons' biggest problem is important to my head. It's everything in his head. He's just got to be more confident, but... Going back to over... I think confidence also comes with the team you're playing. I think I think Ben Simmons is going to... I think I, he was on a terrible LSU team. A terrible LSU team. And he was still putting up ridiculous numbers. I, I think... I think Ben Simmons is going to be fine. I don't think it's really mentality there, unless you're saying he's just stupid. No, I'm saying, like, <laughs> not that. I'm saying, like, when he was in need-to-score situations, okay, eight seconds left, you're down by one. Look at the tape. Nine times out of ten, Ben Simmons passes the ball away. And let's see, he's probably not want the bottle shot. 
did not want the final shot. What's his NBA comparison? LeBron James. LeBron James. And, and what was LeBron James' problem for the first, I don't know, Didn't six want to years in the, the final NBA? Shot. See, but the thing is, with uh, if you're saying that, I mean, what would you rather have? Ben Simmons, who's known as not taking, you know, not being a jump shooter, you know, taking a 15 foot jumper or passing it off to a guy you know, like a Tim Quarterman who can make an open three. So the, I think but they is, weren't open threes. The it guys was, around him. You say they to, passed him to open guys. No, he was passing it to guys that it was a worse shot where he could have just taken a high percentage two, but didn't want to take that high percentage of shot because he was scared to take the last shot. I don't think he's scared. I think I think I think he's fine. I think he's just going into a team that was terrible. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to excel in the NBA. I think Ben Simmons is. I think that he's off the table here. He's not going to be a bust. No, I'm not saying like a, he's an overrated, overrated prospect. Who is your overrated prospect? I've got Jalen Brown. I think he's a guy that needs to stay. But he's underperformed. Needs to stay in college. And recently he's underperformed. Recently, I should say, yeah. Well, and I go back to him looking a perfect article of this from SB Nation where the Hawaii game, I know it's only one game in March Madness, but in one game, Hawaii showed everything that's wrong. With Jalen Brown. Yes, does he have all the tools to be in the NBA? Probably going to be a good NBA player as time goes. However, as of right now, he's a guy where loses the handle sometimes when he drives in. He's just inconsistent with his jump shot. And he's a guy where it's like, if he comes out now, you take him in the top 10. That's overrated. He's an overrated prospect. I would take him maybe like low lottery, like 12 13 14 at the earliest. I would I would I would take him over. I would take him over Chris Dunn though. I th- I feel like I would he's, take Chris Dunn over Jalen I feel Brown. like he's he he can develop and he's got more potential there. I mean, he's he doesn't have a jump shot, neither does Ben Simmons. He doesn't have, you know, a good enough handle, you know, he he's he's turnover prone, but again, he is uh, he can jump out of the building and this kid is just an athletic freak and I think the jump shot could develop more with time. I feel like he can be you know, not same level as Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram, but I feel like he could be like the third best player, at least from an athletic standpoint. I think he can really, you know, the show way, that he That can. is something interesting, you know, what you said, from an athletic standpoint. Think about that. It's You're talking up what is your potential as a player, and you're building it based off their size, their strength, their quickness. It's a whole lot of that versus what have you done for me on the court? Because guess what? You can't teach athleticism, but what you can teach is basketball fundamentals, like taking better care of the ball, like making the smart decision if it's shooting first or passing, those kind of things can be taught. And if you're in the right environment in the NBA under these coaches, you can really culture somebody up and grow them into a great prospect. And the gym's always open. The gym's always go. open. He can always go and practice. And and something that I, I might be kind of uh, out there because he did have a jump shot in, in college, but maybe kind of like a James Harden because they say he lives at the free throw line. He's a great slasher. James Harden did have a jump shot in college. He shot 40% from three in his freshman year. So, I mean, James Harden, not, not the same shooter. I mean, James Harden's a better player than Jalen Brown. I'm not saying that. But Jalen Brown might be able to develop his shot and then become like a James in a Harden. Manner, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, he, he drives to the basket. He's fast. And the big thing coming out of college for you know James Harden was that he was undersized for his position. Jalen Brown's got two uh, two inches on him, and I think he's got a lar- larger wingspan. So I think I think Jalen Brown can really develop his game. I think he can you know really top out as, as like a James Harden and pan out like a James Harden. But I, I you know I think that I see where you're coming from that he might want to stay. And James Harden did stay for a sophomore year, <laughs> so I, I, I could see that. But. I think if he, I think he can really develop his game. I think he he could be something I'm, special. I'm just saying, and I know it's take it with a grain of salt because when you get to the tournament, you're looking like sometimes it's 
okay, you got one game, and that's all we had tape on you. And sometimes, mm-hmm. like, the good scouts look at the entire season, but for most of us, that one game is like, holy shit, this team in Hawaii showed some holes where you had only four points, went one of six in that game. He did only play 17 lost. minutes, though. And But on the other side, Chris Dunn, I know he played more minutes than 17. He had 26, but 29 points, 10 of 16 from the field against arguably the number two team in college basketball in this tournament field in the Tar Heels. Fair enough. Yeah. Like, I mean, pe- the tournament is a giant at- magnifying glass for you and as I'm- a person. It's like, hey— this is your shot, mm-hmm. and anything you do will be over scrutinized, over analyzed. So you better make this the best representation of you. And I that know you can. that they only won the first game that they played by one point, but a lot of people looked at that Providence game against the Trojans, and there were some people that were like, "Oh, the Trojans are going to win this game because they came out and beat UCLA ninety-five to seventy-one in their first Pac-12 tournament game." So there were some people. High on this team for their scoring efficiency, 16 points, 27 minutes, four assists, four rebounds. They uh, fell short. How about this? Uh, if you look at Jalen Brown against USC, 18 points, 50% from the field, and eight rebounds. So, I mean, against and similar and production. And that's what I'm saying. Different players, obviously. Look, looking but. further back, that's actually doing a little looking forward back because that was the 28th of February Well, he, he's that hitting a, Brown's he's, played. He hit a huge slump yeah. at the end of the season. So. And I mean, but people are going to look at that Hawaii game and just go, dude, we see those holes. We see that jump shot. We see how you're losing the ball and don't have the best handle when you're going to the basket. And in the NBA, if you're going to be a driver and a slasher, you can't be losing the ball. Well, out James Harden's going to set the record this year for most turnovers in the season. So but then, but technically, then, you can. Yeah. But James Harden's not a point guard. I'm saying for the driving. James Harden slashing, is a point guard point as guard. far as Houston is concerned. Okay, let, let's his go. Posi- his, go position, off of like his position. His position. Yeah. Position. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I see Jalen Brown. Like, you know, what, what would you rather have? A recency bias in Chris Dunn, where he was great against a great team. Or would you rather go with a guy who has more potential and more upside? Who we you're getting re- a finished really product versus a prospect? Exactly, that, it, it's potential versus what you've seen and what this guy is capable of. And Chris for, Dunn is already close to his top end from where I'm standing. And for, I see Jalen Brown with that potential to continue growing his game, fill out those areas that he has the weaknesses in. Chris Dunn, I feel like eh, this may be it. This may be who you are, and there's nothing wrong with that. He'll still be a decent player, but he won't be able to top out nearly the same level if Jalen Brown lives up to what he can do. And for a team that's, you know, in the top ten that's you know, not didn't wasn't traded in there like, you know, say the Boston, you want mm-hmm. a player that you really can develop with your team, really can grow around and really can help out instead of a guy who's gonna be plopped in there like a Chris Dunn and just is forced to start and go and he's really just he's got his mold and he's got his mindset really already set where Jalen Brown can come in and develop a new mindset, develop a new mentality and really, you know, thrive in his game and thrive in the team system so i i feel like i, I see where you're coming with jalen brown and maybe the discussion should be should he stay but he's going to be a top 10 pick no matter what because of that potential mm-hmm. so i think mm-hmm. he'll probably most likely go out and i could see him struggling for a couple of years but I, I think that's why you probably wanted to switch from overrated to a bust because he might not be the player that you want him to be in the first three years but he might develop in later on. So I, I, I see where you're coming from there. Dave, who's your overrated prospect? My overrated prospect is Scal. This is a guy who came into college basketball as like, look, if he didn't play this season, he could probably be a top 10 pick regardless. Yeah. Like, that's what people are talking about, purely based off his size, his strength, and, you know, the potential. 
but he has had a horrible season. And, I mean, that's being nice because, okay, for anybody else. I mean, even part eh. of me is even thinking, are you saying, like, overrated to where, okay, you're not even just out of lottery. Maybe you should be a second rounder. Mm. Because right now he's a late first. Right (laughs) now, And that's like right now I'm looking like 16 for Chad Ford. Um, For some reason, he's uh, 14, so in the lottery for – um, and yeah, he's NBA one of those fringe net. guys on the lottery. I, I just feel like I, I feel like he should be like twenty eight yeah. to to thirty five pick. Like you say, and it's funny. You're like, oh well, scales my overrated prospect, and the first thing I think of is remember when he was like a top five pick at the beginning yeah. of the year. He's been overrated, mm-hmm. and he continues to be overrated because look, this guy has underperformed in so many big situations. Just most recently, Indiana, the man got ran off the court. He only played fifteen minutes that game. Mm-hmm. Four points, five rebounds. And absolutely. I think he was also in foul trouble, though. So, so he does get, but he did, but he's been in foul trouble quite often. Yeah. So, it, he, so that, he does say he has fouled have... out of uh, probably the most games on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say about five. I'm just just from looking real quick. But again, this is a guy who you know we all hyped him up to be that that best stretch four. He has the height for it. He has the athleticism, but he is just so weak. He doesn't have the strength. He can't play in close to the net. Around the boards, very shaky. He does get some rebounds, but again, it's not his thing. He wants well, you know to be a why stretch. we why we crowned him at the beginning of the season before we Enlighten even us, saw him. Ricky. Well, I mean, <laughs> you look at the part of the four and fives that have come out of Kentucky. I think Anthony Davis, Nerlens Noel, the Harrison twins. There's been so many great players that downloads like when Kentucky is a big man. We crown him at the beginning of the season. Oh, this you guy's going to be a yeah. great season, and he just didn't live up to the hype. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. But if we're also going against Kentucky big men, I think that kind of plays into his favor then. Because you got DeMarcus Cousins, you got Anthony Davis, you got Carol Anthony Towns. So if he's going to follow suit in Kentucky big men, then I think I would pick him. But I I, I, I see that his development. No, I'm saying terrible. like at the beginning yeah. of the college season, oh, yeah, we were no, like, no. oh, this guy's going to no, be no. great because look we at what we've him, had. Yeah. And then we watched him and went, oh, well, maybe uh, – that's right. Maybe it's the guards for this team that are going to do well, and you listen, Murray. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, he was expected to come in and carry this team to the mm-hmm. next level, and thankfully the guards were able to do that to an extent, but not all the way. I think that he can be a fantastic defender. He has so much potential to continue growing because he can put on like 20 pounds, 25 pounds mm-hmm. of absolute muscle and just dominate. But right now... He can't he can't stand out there with, with NBA level fours and play him in the paint. He will just get wrecked. I mean, it will be disgusting. He will have to be a, a like B team, like put him in for, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night tops. And that's why it's funny because Chad Ford right now has him going to the Celtics. Just put him on a team that have a ton of bigs right yeah, now. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so he well, just so you just kind of blend in. Exactly. You just blend in and not play. I mean, this is a guy people are like, oh, he could be like the next Lamarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. And it's like Ugh. See the one thing with you know scale, you talk about his size. He's sitting at two twenty five. Chris Dunn's sitting at two twenty. Right? He's six four. So and he's I mean seven foot. Yeah. Are you so it definitely needs to add just some strength and just some. He needs he, to be on that Joel Embiid diet. <laughs> Take <laughs> a just, year and he, just bulk. He kind of seems mentally weak too. He just doesn't seem like he has that like toughness you want in a big man where mm-hmm. he'll attack and just go after. No, it no, but, but his shot. He has a soft touch, which which is why he has that potential. Look, his shot not not as sweet as like Derek or Lamarcus, no. but he has the potential to grow to that. He's a very good sh- he's a very good shooter, very good foul shooter. So. I think he can grow into that, but again, it's going to take 
a lot of time in the gym. It's going to take a lot of time to actually progress. So, like, look, he is 20. That's fine. You know, he's not the youngest, but whatever. He still can play for a team. And after two years, I think he'll be a reasonably good player. But the problem is, it's right now, if you're going to call him a lottery or a fringe lottery pick, mm-hmm. he's not going to come in and give you that instant impact that lottery picks should give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, if you're going to a team that's like you know really trying to go for a playoff push, you, I don't know if he's he might get lost there because he's not going to get that playing time that if you want. If he gets lucky, I mean, he'll end up on the Spurs. But that's what, I, that's what we say about everybody. Yeah, if you're lucky, you'll end up on the Spurs and Warriors and turn into like a you know a stud and just cause, absolutely because that's what happens when you go to the Spurs and Warriors. You turn into a a, a complete stud. Great Is coaching there, can do things. Weirdly enough, when you get a great coach, you, you do pretty well. Uh, any final you know guys that are in the in the lottery area that really might not live up to this potential and might not because recently I think one of these guys that I'm kind of getting iffy and shaky on is. Denzel Valentine. Oh, uh, I was looking at him. Because Denzel... I don't want to say it he, he doesn't have, I like him. He, he, well, I don't think so. Well, look, Are look, you look, saying look. just because of that tournament game? No, I'm just saying in why? general. I'm just saying in general because, I mean, I think the tournament made me look in a, in a mm-hmm. bad light. But looking, I think there's guys with more potential. I think there's guys with... Because he's a senior. He's older. I just looking at him, you know, you see a guy like Marquise Chris out of Washington. Or you see a guy like Thomas mm-hmm. uh, Bryant who stepped up in... in well. Marcus Chris wasn't in the he was in the NIT tournament. Yeah. But you know, he stepped up in that tournament for Washington, scored twenty seven and had eleven rebounds. You look at Thomas Bryant was huge for Indiana in their run to the Sweet Sixteen. And then you look at Denzel and he's got all the you know, the the, the tools, but he's kinda small. What is his, you know, really position gonna be? Is he gonna be having the ball in his hands twenty four seven? Is he going to be coming off the bench and having the ball in his hands? Like, I don't know where he would be. And mm-hmm. I think it's if he gets lost in where his position will be and what his you know role will be in the NBA, then that just might get him lost. I think he's got the potential and the skill to do well in the NBA, but it's really where is he going to go and how is he going to fit? Because I don't really see a, a true fit for a Denzel Valentine. I think that the big thing with Denzel is I don't look at that last game and put it all on Denzel. I think. Well, I mean, that, he did have six turnovers, to be fair. Yeah, but I think it was more of a team thing with that because this was a team coming in where he he basically pulled the uh, Vince Young with the Philadelphia Eagles. He basically called the championship, <laughs> and then when asked about it, he kind of was like, reference. well, you know what? Uh, we got to take it a game at a time, and then the whole team getting the two seed, thinking, okay, maybe we should be a one seed, kind of put... A little bit to it. That's well, they the way should have I been think. a one seed. Plus, they should have been a one seed. Plus, Mid Tennessee State just came in and played better. They said, "You know, what? we're going to show up this team," and they ended up doing it. One guy that I'm thinking of that it's funny because I'm looking at an article now on CheatSheet.com and they have three overrated prospects. I named one of them. Dave named one of them. The other one on this, Yaka Pertle from Utah. Nope. And the thing is that I'm thinking about you look nope. at his you look at his season stats, seventeen point two. Nine rebounds a game, almost two assists. However, in the last two tournament games, we have seen the good and the bad. Fresno, 16 points, 18 rebounds, four assists. The good. Gonzaga, when he went up against Sabonis, five points, four rebounds, two assists. Okay, so you don't think he's overrated, but you think you know, well, you're, you're just bringing it up. Yeah, I'm bringing it up because okay, like, so you I think said, he's overrated in your scumbag because he got They're shit saying, on by Sabonis. Yeah, no, you're just a, you're <laughs> rightfully <laughs> so because Sabonis. Ricky's a scumbag and he's saying Pirtle's overrated, but he's trying to hide. I'm just gonna say, you know, all right, you can have bad games, and then if you look at you know against when you play against a top team, you look at the number seven team uh, when they were number seven, Duke, twenty eight. Mm-hmm. 
28 minutes, 72% shooting, 14 rebounds, 19 points, and when you throw at that, you have three blocks. So I think he's shown that he's you had one rough game. Yeah, you had one rough game, and you know his t- team wasn't even that. His team didn't show up as well. They got murdered by Gonzaga. It's true. So I think they lost by twenty three points. So it's and that's it much of a microscope all, on that game. Exactly, it wasn't all on Pirtle. I think Pirtle, he's got the tools. He's got the you know he's a defender. He can he can be a defender, and I think he's got a great post move. So I think I think Pirtle's going to be fine. I, I, I personally think Pirtle's going to be fine. Yeah. But the thing is, and this is the one thing I may throw out with Pirtle, do we have him too high? Like. First round pick, but do we have him too high in that first round? But this isn't a draft that's known for its depth. Right now, it's like we have that one too, and you got some question marks. I mean, you got some you got some good players, but again, is it that that top level player? No. Is it that guy who's going to change the franchise? Probably not. So I think we're a lot more deeper than the uh, Oladipo Anthony Bennett draft. Well, I mean, at least oh, we're easily, not looking at easily. Let's not at least talk we're not looking fires. at uh, Anthony Bennett going at the number one. At least oh, we can yeah, talk no. about. Somebody who we can compare to LeBron James. This is completely, yeah, this is completely deep. I, I think yeah. you can go to the number 20 pick. And I think there's even, like you said, there's no, seniors. No, but it's good but not great. That's where I'm aiming with this. I think, you're saying, I think, I think, I think you're saying you're saying it's not great because it goes back to the discussion we had at the beginning of this sub. Like, this whole topic is we are used to one-and-dones, phenomenal one-and-dones. Who take over the NCAA. And now it's more of like, yes, is Jamal Murray, See. is Brandon Ingram, is Ben Simmons, the freshmen's. But now we have the guys who, like, Buddy Heald, who's the senior. We've got Chris Dunn, who's the junior. We've got, got Denzel Valentine, who's Yaka the senior. Jakob Pertl, who's even the sophomore. Sabonis, who's a sophomore. Guys <sighs> that have stayed more than one season to where there's actually that sprinkling of seniors and upperclassmen. I think looking at this draft, I think, and looking at this draft and looking at the, the, the draft prior to this, I think you got four superstars coming out. I think you have Ben Simmons, who will be a complete superstar. Brandon Ingram would be a superstar because LeBron's getting older. He's going to be pushed out. And they, they, yeah, we've been saying that, that for Anthony Davis. For how long is he supposed to take that crown? Okay, yeah, but the, Carl Anthony Towns, look, oh, look at yeah. what Cat's doing. Towns Cat's is a might monster. be jumping over Anthony <laughs> Towns soon. D'Angelo Russell looking like one of the best, you know, one of the next best point guards in the league. Ben Simmons is going to basically be the next LeBron James. And then, you know, KD's not getting old in a sense, but he's kind of, it might be the change in the guards here where, you know, Kobe was, Kobe was where LeBron was. LeBron was where KD was. And then KD was where, you know, Brandon Ingram was going to be. I mm-hmm. think, you know, Brandon Ingram is going to take that crown. That next great ben, score. Yeah, and I think Ben Simmons is going to be just there with him. I think you got four superstars there. And then I think after this, you're still going to see some all-stars. Because I think Jamal Murray can be an all-star in this league. I think, you know, players like, you know, Jalen Brown, if he develop, develops his jump shot, can be an all-star. I think players can be six-man, you know, potential here with Buddy Heald and, you know, Jacob Pertle. I think there's guys that have this potential to make quality or, like, shit teams now mm-hmm. quality. I think there's guys that can be key pieces on teams that can make a deep run. Because if you look at Minnesota, Minnesota might be picking a guy that can take them to an NBA championship in you know in the next few years or be a key piece on those teams. So I think these guys can really make an impact. Where recently it's just been, what's this guy's potential? Where I think we have three guys in Jamal Murray, uh, Brandon Ingram, and Ben Simmons who we know their potential and we know how good they'll be. And then you have the guys who are seniors where it's like, how will they really show off their skill and will they can be able to transfer that game from the college game to the NBA game? I think it's really more that these guys will be able to thrive or will they just completely flop and be bust, basically. So now we're going to transfer over to LeBron James, the guy who hasn't been a bust. And I think he was a pretty good pick for Cleveland in 2003. Would you say? Till he left. 
I mean, I guess paid off okay. I mean, still no ring, but whatever. <laughs> whatever, Cleveland. It's, it's I'm sure for, they're not salty about that. It's for the land until I go play with CP3, Mello, and Dwayne Wade. What do you guys think of this whole shit? Like this, they're going it, to New York. They're going to. That's what I thought. Oh, they're going to play in New York because there's no way Mello's okay. leaving or will be able to leave. But right. you say but you say this like, is it going to actually happen? And I, 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 when will it happen? With, with LeBron, when it's anywhere close to him leaving Cleveland, I believe it because he hates that city. Yeah, that's what I. I think at I this point believe. it's become he a burden on city. him. Do you think it's guilt or burden, or do you think it's no. really just him fucking with the media? Because you know he's got the he's got the commercial where it's it's all about the land. It's all, I'm doing work for the land. And now it's like no. he's coming out, but he's also you know in Richard Je- Jefferson Snapchat he's like making fun of like what he was saying in the media. <laughs> well, so I think there's I think there's two sides of LeBron. LeBron might just be fucking with us. Here's the way I see it: it's kind of like when you have that girlfriend and everything is great, and you're like, this one's the one, and it's like it could be your first girlfriend, and then you guys break up, and you spend some time apart, and then after a while you like date a girl or a few, then you break up. And both of you are single again. And you're like, you know, what? let's try to make it work again. This is the let's try to make it work again. And it may not work out. And LeBron may say, you know what? I'm going to leave mm. again. I, I think it's more like if you if you move to a big city after like being in your hometown and then you get homesick and then you go back. I think that's what it's more like. And you're like, oh, my friends are in NYC, but I'm here in Cleveland and now I'm getting bored. But I still want to be here because like I already moved and I know what it was like. I think that's what it's more like. I don't have a funny story for you guys. <laughs> I, I don't have any comparison. It's like more, when I was eating a sandwich, moral, moral, and then it was peanut butter and jelly. I was like, man, I really wish I had a banana in here. And then it was just peanut butter. Personally, yeah. personally or just jelly, yeah. no peanut butter. Personally, I think LeBron's full of shit. I think, he's, I think up, he's leaving. I think he's upset with the players, and I think he's upset with this, this team, but I, I don't think he's upset with his decision to go to Cleveland. I don't think he's moving. I think he was being honest that he wants to play with CP3, Melo, and Wade, but I don't think... See, I think LeBron has been as happy as when he's playing on those... Uh, the, the Olympic teams. Mm-hmm. Like, that's him having fun in his natural, like, whatever. He doesn't have that, like, burden of Cleveland, burden of winning championship, all that shit talking about him not being able to, mm-hmm. you know, take that team to the next level. It's just him having fun, playing with his friends, and that's that's what he associates with playing with Mel, playing with CP3. It's that good memory and that, yeah. like, lack of pressure on his shoulders. I think it's more of a pipe term, though. I, I don't think he actually wants it. To, I think, he, like, if he, he was, like, you know, everything's good, all good. I've won three titles with Cleveland, and then, you know, we're, we're going off and, like, we're all retiring after the season, then maybe. But I think it's got to be, like, a perfect uh, situation. Like Malone to the Lakers at exactly. the end of his career. Malone just and Payton to the Lakers. Yeah, I think it's just more of, you know, it has to be a perfect situation. I don't think LeBron's actually trying to pursue this. I don't think he's actually doing this, and I think he's trying to fuck with people. I, I just I don't see LeBron leaving, or if he does leave, I think he's leaving for a different reason. I think he just truly wants to win a title. I think he's sick of being on Cleveland, but I don't think he's like truly going to try to pursue CP3, Melo, and Wade on the same team. No, yeah. I, I totally am with the 100% that I feel like he's leaving at the end of the year. I think he wants to get wow. Kyrie, Kyrie. I think we've, we've had that discussion before. I think he still wants to get rid of Kyrie. I think Kyrie's the one that's like, I think he still likes Is he Caleb. Is out? Really? Because look at it, you know, when LeBron was sitting out that one game against Dallas, Kyrie and Love played the lights out of the fucking yeah, building. Yeah, it was weird seeing you, old Kevin Love out there. It was old Kevin Love. He had 20 points and like 14 rebounds, and Kyrie had 33 points and 8 assists. Yep. It was just seeing what these guys can be without each other. I mean, if you, you know, I think if you take Kyrie out of that lineup and you put LeBron, I think it's just the same thing. You see old LeBron, and I think you see LeBron who's kind of, you know, comfortable and free, and you see Kevin Love who can do what he can do. I think he can have this game where he can you know play the post if he wants to, but he can also stretch the four. 
I just think I can. You can see that Kyrie might be the odd man out. I also don't think Tyron Lue is the right coach, but that's a different thing. Right. I just think that you know this. I think that they're a poorly run organization. Yeah. 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 I think we've we've known that for a while, but I just I feel like LeBron is getting sick of more of the direction this team is going in. And if LeBron could do a Chip Chip Kelly where he can be GM, coach, and player, I think that would be a perfect situation. He's dangerously close. He is, and I, I don't. I just don't see LeBron leaving. I, th- I think he needs this burden to get this see, burden off I, of him. And here's another reason why I think. Plus, PR wise, it's a mess. Well, I say that's the whole thing. Is if this wasn't a, if this was just like what you were saying, and LeBron's fucking with the media, then why would Tyron Lue come out and say, "Yeah, I had a, I had a discussion with LeBron where I addressed his behavior, saying, and I quote." I just told him we can't have that. Being down like we were and him being a leader, just me being a competitor, I didn't like that. We had a long talk about it. It was good. He understood. He apologized. And he's been great. Yeah, the problem is— Yeah, I know that's a PR-like statement, but if it was him just fucking with the media, I think he'd let Tyron Lue know, a coach that he supposedly likes better than David Blatt. Yeah, but no, regardless, if, if he is just fucked with the media, the problem is your whole team fucking hates you for it. Yeah. Like, you can't go out there and be like, yeah, I really wish I didn't have these fucking loser-ass teammates and no. I could go play with people with talent. Well, and no, then I think on the other side, side, I think there's two sides And then on the other side, say, hey, come on, guys. We Pick gotta do up. better to yeah. make the playoffs and win a championship. Well, no, no, what I'm saying is he he's fucking with the media and the fact, like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna leave. I think he's just more upset with the, the situation in Cleveland, but I don't think he will leave the situation. I think he wants the situation to be fixed. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he's leaving so he's Cleveland. Just attention to yeah. yeah i think he's i think he's fucking with the media in the sense like i'm leaving get ready for you know the decision 3.0 but let's and be honest it's the city of cleveland does shit ever get fixed no in the sports world no major like league saying rg3 major league the Super Bowl. Thing, major yeah. league okay that was a movie it Movies was major league fictional yeah that's are how happy you're gonna get <laughs> A lot of a lot of this LeBron stuff seems fictional. The the decision going to Miami, then coming back, and then this Ask whole any shit. person in Cleveland sports history, like an actual Cleveland fan, I think it. You you hope it was fake, but it seemed kind of real to them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't see LeBron doing this again. I don't see LeBron, you know, putting himself through this PR nightmare, this hellish nightmare. I think he he can. I think he's like like you brought up with the girlfriend. He's gonna try to make it work again. No, I, I think he's I gonna think, go through it. I think at the end, it's one of those situations where he's gonna leave, and it's more like the oh shit, how did I think this was gonna work? Like I forgot everything that was bad the first time because I was like. I had some time to win a championship so it, in it's, Miami. It's really I just LeBron they, James is the problem with Cleveland. Then. Yeah, it's oh, like, I, oh, holy yeah, no, shit, I, I why did I do that? Now he's probably thinking, how do I get out and not ruin like, See, what, Cleveland? What I'm, I'm They'll seeing, self-destruct. They'll what, do it. What I'm seeing well, already, is... They just lost to the Nets. No, I'm talking about the whole city if he leaves oh, again. Okay. They'll <laughs> self-destruct. See, I, I, I see more of, you know, it, it is probably, you know, the first time in Cleveland... They they overdid it. They're, they didn't they didn't do mm-hmm. enough really to keep them. They they didn't bring enough talent Let's around. Bring in them. a forty year old Shaq and yeah. uh, call it a day. Right? And now they kind of overdid it with bringing way too much talent and not having that talent work. I think they need to draw it back here. You know, try to get the you know get rid of Kyrie is my my thing. I think Kyrie is the big problem here. 
You get rid of Kyrie, you get draft picks, you get players that can come in and not be a superstar, but be a you know a great role player. And well, they, a didn't great... want, they didn't want draft picks. Remember, this is a team that's ready to go right now. That's why they got rid of their draft picks. But you need depth. Kevin Love. You need depth with this team. This is this is and look, at, working look out. at how well the Timberwolves. Are how doing. is that working out? <laughs> this is a top. Yeah, I mean now they're now they're studs. But I mean <sighs> this is just you know you have a top three and then trash basically. It's a dumpster fire after that top three, and that, that, oh, that top that top three can't even mesh together. And also, yeah, that's I the feel, biggest problem. See, I, I just there's too much going on in the cast. And, I think you need to fucking draw it out. And plus, I feel like at this point, and I don't think Kyrie's getting traded, and I think LeBron's going to be the one to leave himself because I feel like LeBron's sitting there going, "Okay, I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning, and if I want a ring." And I want to play with the, and I really do want to play with these four guys. He got a ring already. No, 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 no. When you get that taste of one, you or taste of two, taste you want of two, more yeah. of that. And Is I mean, I feel, I feel like he's just gonna be like, you know what? I really want to play with these guys. I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning. Sorry, Cleveland. It's been real. It's been real. Oh, so, he's hold just on. gonna leave. They're again. gonna light his ass on fire. Yeah, he's gonna be again gone. You think D Wade's gonna leave Miami? You think D Wade, who is this bright spot of Miami sports, the basically Dan Marino of of the two thousands and basketball? You think he's going to leave? And I, it's hard to get Mello okay. They moving. all go to Miami, then. And you, but, but then it's hard to move Mello, like you just said. Oh, if Pat Riley wanted to find like Pat Riley's the one it'll guy, it'll be a sign and trade for Mello for mm-hmm. Whiteside, and you think, and it'll mm-hmm. be ugly. And you think Doc, Doc, CP three is the only like mysterious piece because he's the only one where it's like, well, fuck it, we didn't get all of us. Well, yeah. We got two of us. We got three of us. Down it's, here. And it's hard to get CP three because he's still under contract for two more years yeah. after this. And, and he's on a good team. And he's and he's weirdly enough a fucking fantastic player. What? Mm-hmm. So I think I, it's it's hard to get those four together. And I think it's if it's gonna happen, I think it's gonna be like a dream scenario where like D Wade's 42 getting pushed by LeBron in a wheelchair and then he like pushes D Wade ahead of the court and you know it's travel but the refs aren't calling it and then D Wade <laughs> tosses it off the backboard and LeBron like jumps off a trampoline and dunks what it. What if they all went to LA? So with, they're uh, basically trade the Blake away. Yeah that makes sense. Trade Blake to play in the triangle all right, with Ricky Porzingis. 2K. All right Ricky 2K. I think, I, think, I, think, I think Phil would do it. Phil would, Phil would trade Melo for Blake Blake can play in the triangle. This mythical triangle doesn't work in New York. <laughs> so, so back in the real world, yeah, the rest of us are living. Let's, let's talk about the Clippers. How about that? Let's talk about the Dark Horse Clippers. Because I think I think we took out that LeBron thing. I, I don't think LeBron's leaving. Ricky thinks LeBron's leaving. leaving. And, and his then, whole team's going to hate him for this whole thing being brought up. Let's let's talk about dark horses in the Western Conference because I think that that LeBron that LeBron topic kind of just went way too far. I think I think I think two <laughs> K Ricky LeBron's is leaving. just on today. Two K Ricky is on today. Los Angeles Blake's been cleared to play. Blake Griffin has been cleared to play, and we saw two kind of stories with the Clippers without Blake Griffin, and or yeah, without Blake Griffin. You know, they had that run where they were like fifteen and three, and they were they on fire, yeah. and then they fell off, and they've recently fallen off. Do you think Blake Griffin will change this team, or do you think Blake Griffin helps us? I mean, obviously he's going to help this team because Blake Griffin's still a phenomenal player. But, Absolutely. But do you think this really gives them a push to you know kind of beat the Spurs or Warriors, or do you think this is just going to make them kind of get away from that that mojo they had going on early on in the season? Warriors or, and Spurs. That's our Western Conference Finals. I don't know. I think that's this what Clippers I feel like. team can take it deep. Honestly, they've got excellent <laughs> shooting on the outside. They now bring back Blake, so they have a big man down low to compete. I don't see any problem with them taking a series to six or seven games against either of these two teams. Here's, see, here's what's going to happen. They're going to do, well, if you play a seven-game series with the Warriors, they're not going to be able to compete with two big men down low. So you're actually going to have to play the same kind of system that you played in the last one and lost, 
where you have more guards out there, and unless they're shooting at like 65% a night, I, you're I think not they trying to, to beat the down. Warriors in a seven-game series. Look at that Spurs game. Where, where, the Spurs-Warriors game at, at San Antonio where the, the Spurs won 87-79. What the Spurs did well was they used LaMarcus Aldridge and bullied the shit out of yeah. the Warriors down low. He had scored 26 points and 13 rebounds. And then, Do you think DeAndre then, Jordan or Blake could do the same thing? Can you let me yeah. finish? Because I was going to okay. finish, buddy. And then on defense, you know, Steph, I think they shot 25% from three. So, you know, what they were doing on pick and rolls was uh, Steph would go around the pick and roll, and then obviously they'd switch defend, you know, switch big man to Steph. What the problem was is, you know, Steph's always got, you know, five feet in front of him, and he's just going to pull up from three. The Spurs got big men were just guarding him tightly. I think Blake Griffin has the athleticism to guard him tightly and not make him, you know, make him drive instead of taking out that three point shot. Or even DeAndre. DeAndre is one of the best, you know, he's got he's got he's one of the biggest guys in the NBA. He could just put his hands up and basically defend a, a deep three point shot from Curry. So I think they match up well enough. I, I still think the Warriors are a better team, but I think Blake can dominate inside. I think Blake can bully up on Draymond at least down low, you know, in the post because Draymond's still undersized. Blake Griffin's a pretty Absolutely. big dude. So I think that DeAndre and Blake can really, you know, f- show off with uh, show off down low. But it's really can the war. I mean, I think the Warriors have shown that they're one of the best shooting teams of all time. So I think the Warriors can outshoot them. So I think really it can go to seven between these teams. Well, I mean, the, the big takeaway from that Spurs game, like you were saying, with how they switched on the pick and rolls and everything, was the fact that they had preemptively decided, you know, Kawhi is going to be on them. Mm-hmm. Fucking ahead of time, we're like, okay, we know how they're gonna run the pick and roll, so we're gonna have quite ready, and he's gonna be on top of you. He's not give you any chance to breathe. So it comes down to, well, okay, if we slow this game down enough to where we can run with both bigs in the paint, fantastic. But can we also have a defender on Steph every every single time he comes down that court? Who's their guy to go to? See, I think it's CP3. Because when I'm looking at top point guards in the league, it's Steph easily. Yeah, number two is Chris Paul for me. So I think CP3 can defend, you know, Steph Curry here. I think it's really, you know, it, it's really the battle of Steph Curry versus CP3. I think the real thing that will hurt them is JJ Redick on Klay Thompson. I think JJ Redick can match the shooting of Klay Thompson, but Klay's easily the better player. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think JJ can defend Klay. And Klay has been showing off that you he know, dropped what, like forty recently. He just dropped forty last night. Yeah. So I think I think he he's shown that he's a damn good player. I think I think Klay Thompson could be this 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 outside factor because looking at the point guard matchup. The Warriors win, but it, it, it's, it's close. It's close-ish. Yeah. Ish, ish. I think yeah. I think Steph's pretty. Pr- pr- got, I mean, he, got he may be breaking like records or something. Yeah. Now, I don't read the news. Might hit 400, 400 threes. Shooting guard, I think they dominate. I think Clay's way better than JJ Redick. But down low, I mean, Draymond, if he can, you know, defend Blake, and Draymond's a pretty damn good defender. If he can defend Blake and you know, force DeAndre to be the scorer for the Clippers, then they'll win. But if, you know, Blake and DeAndre start going together down low, then that will open up CP3 for his, like, 15-foot jumper. That will open up for him for three. That will open up JJ for three. That will open up Jeff Green and Paul Pierce to maybe come back to life. So I think that they can really, if if they play basically perfect basketball, I think they can win this series. But I think they could take them to, to seven. Exactly. That, that's the fact. They can make defense. a series out of it, which is something that not many teams can do. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's literally the Spurs can take the Warriors to a series mm-hmm. and the Clippers. And that's it. That, that's it out of the West. And the Nobody else. You think the Thunder can take I, six? I, when you have Westbrook and KD, I think I think. I was actually going to say, know. I think two teams that could be potential dark horses in general. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying just against the Warriors, just against the Spurs. Mm-hmm. 
are from a matchup that right now we would see in the first round, Thunder or Trailblazers. Whoever would come out of that series could be a dark horse in the NBA playoffs. The only thing is, the next if it's a three versus a six, that would help the Thunder because then they would play the Spurs. I think they'd match up better with the Spurs in the second round than if they had to play Golden State in the second round. Fair enough. I think if you're the Thunder or even the Trailblazers and you want to be a dark horse, you want to save the Warriors to the conference finals. I'm surprised by finals. the call for dark horse out of the Trailblazers. Is it just because of the backcourt? I mean, well, you match scoring with scoring? Not bad. And they have been a team that, I mean, I know it was only one game, but they hung with the Warriors that one game. <laughs> and if they can channel that and make They did that, it once, people. Well, if they did it once, they, don't have they a lot can of channel it. If you've been paying attention to the Warriors. In the so. playoffs, it's one of those. It's a different game in the playoffs where you're managing, okay, just you just have to focus on one team. And whoever comes out of that series has the momentum, can take the Spurs far. Do they probably win? Let's be honest, probably not. But they can use that, maybe beat the Spurs, use then that momentum of winning two series to try to topple the giant, the 73-win maybe giant of Golden State. Uh, another two Dark Horse teams that I do want to throw out there, and and it's basically what Steve Kerr said last night when we were recording this, when mm-hmm. the uh, Warriors beat the Mavericks 128-120. to They didn't have Dirk, they didn't yep. have Darren Williams, and they didn't have Devin Harris. And you could just really see, and this is what Steve Kerr said, and you can really see how well of a coach team that is. And, you know, we just talked about how well, co- you know, how deep coaching can take a team. Rick Carlisle is a pretty damn good coach. Yeah, he's up there. So I think they can at least go to the Western Conference Finals, maybe upset the Spurs if they get a, a seven seed and that's a first-round matchup. And the Rockets, you don't have the coaching. Ooh. You don't have the coaching. But LaMarcus Aldridge versus Dwight Howard would be fun. And James Harden's pretty damn good. So yeah. I, I think, you know, and, and they showed last year they, they could have some magic. I mean, if you bring that back, maybe. No, but I mean, that's this, a big this Rockets maybe. team that's a big is maybe. interesting. They, they went from full-on dumpster fire to start the season – Fire head coach, we're fucking awful, and then they quietly kept getting better. James Harden played better. They didn't get great, but they got better. Right, right. Dwight Howard, trade deadline passes, Mm -hmm. still on the Rockets. He's like, okay, I guess I have to play. Almost a Milwaukee buck, but not quite. Yeah, so he he manned (laughs) up and started playing a little more. And now with the weird acquisition of B-Easy, this Mm -hmm. team is getting instant offense. I don't know. This could be an interesting team to watch in the playoffs. I don't know if I truly believe in the, the dark horse of the of the Houston Rockets, but I think I'm just more rooting for Michael Beasley. I know, right? It's I, weird. I'm a huge fan of watching him destroy Chinese basketball. Because <laughs> <laughs> we looked at his per uh, for when he's been playing. Mm-hmm. He's sitting at like 24. He's a top 10 per player then. He's above Enos Cantor, which is weird, and, well, but just below yeah. James Harden. So Michael Beasley's been pretty damn good when he's on the floor. He's it's a been ton shocking. Of, ton of offense for this team, and he's a spark of life. I, I think it's absolutely hilarious. I think you've got Patrick Beverly, who he's kind of like what Josh was, Smith last was last year. That's kind of that's strangely different accurate. player, but yeah. like you know, same same spark that, that that Josh Smith had. Yeah, and if Beverly can stay healthy this this postseason, he's somebody they didn't have the whole time last time. So adds a new dynamic. I think they could be a dangerous team. But the thing is, I think they have to get the seven. I think if the Mavericks or Rockets have to get the seven, because if you're going up against the eight, you're not going to fuck. Right away, yeah. I think the Spurs are just beatable because they might start off slow because you know they're benching all these players, they're they're resting them, and the rest might do wonders for the Spurs. Or we might see a collapse like we saw, or you know we might see the Spurs team that we saw last year, where they weren't, yeah, where they weren't you know a top team in the in the West. Mm -hmm. 
Any final dark horses? I got you, from the west one, or the east. I got one from the east. Okay. And this is one just for this team against this team. If Miami meets Cleveland in the second round, can they be a dark horse to knock Cleveland off before the Eastern Conference Finals? Do you think they can be? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Just I, because of just because of the fact with how well that team is like we expected that team even last season that without LeBron, you're done. I feel like with Whiteside, with Wade, they, that's the only team before the, the Eastern Bosch Conference Finals that'll be like, fuck it, we're going to get up to play for this series because we want to knock you out. They've been playing fantastic. I think if Wade has a revival and Ray, Wade comes back, like you know, uh, not like two injury, two knee injuries, Wade. I think, I think you, I think like you could first see it. title, Wade takes a couple yeah, shots. That's, to the that's kind of that's <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's, that's stretch. stretch. Yeah, okay. maybe. Maybe, Half of that? Yeah, maybe second Maverick okay. face-off. But they've they got lost. a lot of good role players on yeah. the team to fill in. So. And Justice Winslow is pretty damn good. We talked mm-hmm. about that last week. Yep. Anyways, that's going to wrap up this week's episode for the Fast Break Podcast. Thank you to Dave and Ricky for contributing this week. I'm Sean Anderson. Thank you so much for listening. If you're liking on SoundCloud, hit that little red heart button and repost this to all your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe to us, and share it to all of your friends. And when you're sharing it on Twitter, you know, follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. I'm at Schwarbo. Ricky's at Ricky Widmer, and Dave is at Dave underscore Don't underscore Tweet. Dave, don't tweet. Has yet to tweet. <laughs> he only follows Diana Taurasi. And no, Diana Taurasi's bun. Diana Taurasi's bun. Anyways, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, so if you can, share it. Uh, that'd be huge for us, and we would love you very much. So thank you very much for listening to this week's podcast, and we will see you, or you'll hear us next week. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.